0: We're in week two of our stewardship series, Everything Belongs to God. When the builders of a proposed bridge across the Niagara Falls began construction many years ago, the first matter at hand was how they were gonna span the river to get their suspension cables across. So launching a simple cut The builders were able to get a thin string across, and then using the string, they drew a rope across, which was followed by a larger rope, then a small cable, and finally a cable heavy enough to use as support in building the bridge. And when it was completed, the huge structure that could support a train showed no signs of having once been launched by a simple cut. And this story makes me think about the saying that goes along the lines of, great things usually start small. It also tells me that to do a great work, you must begin small and keep it simple. And this is one fundamental truth in every sphere of our lives. And the same principle applies to our stewardship. We don't need to start big, but we need to start at some point. And we don't have to make burdensome what God intends to be rewarding, fulfilling, and exhilarating. And the passage we're now going to read is an invitation to consider how our stewardship, or what our grade in the class called stewardship, would be. I ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 to 28, and sit back because it's not a nice one. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind guides! You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools! Which is greater, the gold? Or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a net but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. In this scripture, Jesus is teaching his disciples during the last week of his life. And normally when we know that time is running out, You want to affirm a few things that you consider to be important, critical, fundamental, don't you? So here is one that he affirms in that scripture. One of the most important principles and responsibilities of a true believer can be summed up in four words. Be a good steward. Be a good steward. but if we are the stewards, who is in charge? In order to be good stewards, we need to realize that we are stewards. And what does it mean to be a steward? Does it mean that we are partially owners and partially stewards? Or does it mean that there's something, someone else who owns everything we seem to possess? The question is not who owns what you have, but who is in charge? Who is on the throne? Who is honored by the way we administer the resources we have? What is the problem between Jesus and the Pharisees in our scripture? It seems, we're told plenty times, that the Pharisees were hypocrites. But what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is someone who does things in appearance. One who hides behind a mask. And the dictionary says that a hypocrite is a person who pretends to have virtue, virtues, moral or religious beliefs, principles, etc., that he or she does not actually possess. And in this passage, it is a person who fakes his love or her love for God, who intends to show everyone that he or she loves God by doing things, but that their heart is actually far from God. In this passage, the question is, who is in charge of what you seem to have? Right up front, stewardship is not only about money. It is about a life you live, and it involves every area of your life. Stewardship involves everything. It involves your gifts, your talents, your time, and money. Stewardship has to do with how you manage everything you've received. It's about giving to God the best of who we are and what we have received. And Psalm 24 verses 1 and 2 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the sea and established it upon the waters. Isaiah 45 verse 12 reminds us, It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. My own hands stretched out the heavens, are marshalled their starry hosts. And these two passages imply that God is the creator and owner of everything that exists in the heavens and the earth. And there is not any biblical or legal document in which God gave us full power and ownership of what is His. That makes us just stewards not owners. And does God have any right to ask us for what is his? What would you do in this situation? You have a house, and you allowed people to live there, but you actually pay the bills and provide food and health and every need, but the people who use that house use it without any regard and start treating it as if it was theirs. What would you do? Friends, tithing is not optional. It's God's portion. Being a Christian person has to do with the whole Word of God, not just with those parts that I want or I need or I like. It has to do with the whole Word of God. This means talking about your commitment to God in terms of your money, because money is important to God too. And when you read the scriptures, tithing is not optional since it is God's portion. The word tithe means 10% of everything we receive. Don't neglect it. In this passage, Jesus does not condemn the Pharisees or the Levites or the teachers of the law for being faithful in giving to God what is his. Jesus did not abolish tithing. He encouraged it. Did Jesus understand that it was part of the law of teachings? Yes. Yes. There are so many Christians that try to avoid tithing because they think it's a legalistic teaching, part of the law, an Old Testament teaching. And they are not under the law anymore. But what does Jesus say in Matthew 23:23? You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And according to Leviticus 27:30, a tithe of everything from the land Whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And how optional is tithing? Do you think that God will hold you accountable for what you've been blessed with? God holds every person accountable. In Mexico, the farmers do something that illustrates tithing. These farmers own the land but sometimes they rent it out to other people to seed and to harvest. But the agreement is always 50-50. But when I think about that agreement, my agreement with God is a whole lot better. He is the one who gives life, health, a job, a family to share his blessings. He is the one who puts in 100%. I think you get the picture. And the question I ask is, are we going to be accountable to God for everything we've received? In this passage, Jesus recriminates the teachers of the law and the Pharisees for not doing what they're supposed to. And someone was once asked, what is the most profound thought you've ever had? Their reply was this, the most profound and important thought to ever occupy my mind is that I'm individually accountable to Almighty God. They understood the reality that each of us will stand in judgment before the Lord one day and give an account of how we've managed his blessing. Luke 12, verse 48, reminds us to whom much is given, much is required. We all know that Spider Man saying, with great power comes great responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. But all will give an account for what they've been given. God is the owner of everything we have. And everything we will ever get is because of his grace. He has the right to ask us for what is his. And we are personally accountable to him for everything we have received. And one day he'll he'll ask us about our stewardship job. What grade did we get in stewardship class? But a lesson that makes tithing one of the most important responsibilities of any true believer is because it completes the vision. A complete vision of stewardship is part of your spiritual maturity. God requires you to tithe, but as evidence of what is in your heart, not out of law. In order to complete the vision of stewardship, we need to understand that tithing is a matter of a good spiritual relationship with God. If we are able to obey in in the few things God will put us in charge of, he will give us more and better things. But if we are not willing to recognize God's lordship in every area of our lives, how can we expect God to bless us abundantly? Good stewardship reflects our spirituality. And in this passage, the problem Jesus saw in the Pharisees was that they were so worried about expressing their obedience to the law, when in fact they were neglecting the widow, the poor, and the stranger. And in Micah 6 verse 8, the Lord requires us to do justly and love mercy and humble ourselves by faith to walk with God. And this is the obedience which is better than any sacrifice or tithe. But why is tithing important? I need to be clear here. Your salvation does not depend on your tithing. Your money, nor all the money in the world, can't buy God's favor. So your salvation does not depend on your tithing. But then why tithe? Where is the benefit? By tithing, you tell God a very important message. And that message is that you trust him and that he is Lord in every area of your life and that there is nothing you would not give up for him. Tithing or not tithing, God's love is unchangeable for you. So your tithing doesn't vary God's love for you. Your tithe is a visible demonstration of your love for God. It is clear evidence of your commitment to him. It's a degree of your maturity and it shows your dependence on him. Tithing is a privilege. It's not a law. If we have no excess income, nor other means of giving, it is not loving for the church to insist on us giving from what we do not have. However, if we are blessed to have the means to give, money and abilities, then we ought to be giving willingly. I don't have time to give you too much great detail, but there are two clear examples of relationship-building tithing at the beginning of humanity's relationship with God. The first one is in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20, when Abraham and Melchizedek the high priest have a meeting. And then later in Genesis 28, verses 20 to 22, Jacob at Bethel promises a tenth of all he has. And it's important to note that tithing does not only apply to money. We inhibit its purpose, if that is our only understanding. Ellen would have spoken about money representing a portion of our lives. But we need to broaden our understanding of tithing to being a whole life thing. And a new aspect of tithing comes into the lesson here. The language used is more indicative of returning or restoring to God from the abundance that God has given. And this fits with everything belonging to God. And us returning to God the excess so it may be used for the kingdom. It is automatic for those who experience an encounter with God to enjoy the privilege of returning a tithe. We appreciate the blessings we receive from God each moment of our lives. Don't forget that the law can be obeyed by anyone, even though they don't have a relationship. But if we learn that the tithing principle is only applicable where a relationship exists then we're learning the true message of tithing. And at the same time, God appreciates gifts returned with faithful and willing hearts. Another example of tithing as a privilege and a divine principle is when the Pharisees asked Jesus whether it was right to pay taxes to Caesar. And we all know what he said in return. Render, therefore, to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus' response showed that we have dual citizenship. We are therefore expected, as it tells us in 1 Peter 2 verse 17, to show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God and honor the king. Our citizenship in a nation requires that we pay money for the services and benefits we sometimes receive. But our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven requires that we pledge to God primary obedience and commitment. And I want you to note the term render used by Jesus in response to the question posed by the Pharisees. To render is not the same as to give. It is to return or to restore. It is equivalent to the phrase give back. When we return or restore, we don't give. Rather, we give back. We give from what we owe, not from what has been loaned to us. The most appropriate terms to use in Christian stewardship are render, return, give back, or restore. Because all that we have has been entrusted or loaned to us by God, the owner. And when we bring tithes, offerings, or gifts to church for furthering the gospel, we are returning to God a portion from what he's given to us. In other words, and more simply... God gives to us, and we return to him. To not make it too complex, we pay for the infrastructure we benefit from in this world. But we return to God the things of God, because it all belongs to God anyway. Can everybody tithe? I believe we must if we want to please God. We want to see God's glory in our lives. We must obey him in every area of our lives. And that includes tithing. I'm not just talking about money. At the same time, if this is not your practice, I want to challenge you today to test God. You heard me right. I'm going to challenge you today to test God. It is God who says in Malachi 3, verse 10 to 12, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. But how do we begin? The first thing we need to do is establish an intimate relationship with God through prayer. Then we need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. We need to read and understand the Word of God carefully and then act accordingly on those promptings. And we need to be committed to, God, to what God leads you to do. So, how can you test God? I'm not asking you to go full 10% in, it might be beyond your means right now. But what about 2%? What about giving an hour? to come and be part of a service team? What about using your talents and your abilities, the things God's gifted you to do, to serve God in the church and in the world? Are you willing to bring the whole tithe, every aspect of your life, into the storehouse and see what God's prepared to do? Let us pray. Father, you are the giver of life, the giver of everything that we call blessing. And Father, we bring back to you a portion, a portion of our lives in our money, in our time, in our talent. But Father, we really need to bring back everything that we are. We need to surrender every aspect of ourselves, every area of our lives to you. Father, this morning we bring our lives back into the storehouse, surrendering who we are to you for you to use for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen.